Welcome to the Rosenfeld Review. I'm your host, Lou Rosenfeld. My guest today is Kara Kane. Uh, Kara, welcome. It's great to have you here. Hi, thanks for having me. And thank you especially for getting up uh, in the middle of a holiday down under. Where are you, in uh, Melbourne? I'm in Sydney, Sydney, Australia. In Sydney, but normally in London, right? Yes, yes, I live in London. Despite the accent. Um, well, if you don't know Kara, uh, Kara is one of the curators along with uh, Ariel Kennan and Sarah Brooks uh, for the civic design community and the upcoming conference uh, that Rosenfeld Media hosts coming up November 16th through 18th. Kara is responsible for day one. Uh, we're going to get to that in just a moment. We're also going to talk a lot about community, which I'm it's just like my favorite topic. And Kara, what are you doing now um, for the UK government digital service in terms of, that's like your job now, right? Is being like the community person for the entire design organization, right? Yes. So I used to be the community lead for user-centered design uh, in government at the government digital service. Currently on a break, took a bit, um, a bit over six months off. Uh, working in government to do some other projects, and then shortly returning uh, next month as the head of profession for design at GBS. So, okay, head of profession is a little bit more than just working on community. Yes. What's the head of profession role involve? So head of profession will involve the community inside GDS, the community of designers, which there's about 50, um, but it's also looking at design culture and design capability. So are the people that are in the organization, uh, do they have the skills and experience that they need to do their job? And then is the organization using design in the best way? Well, that almost sounds like you are putting together uh, community work with uh, uh, an area we've been very involved in, certainly the last few years, design operations, at least aspects of it. So, um, did, you know, maybe uh, we'll, we'll have you involved uh, there as well next year. Um, yeah, sounds definitely. like a great role, but you've been working now with UK digital Sur uh, government digital service for it's like five, six years before uh, you yeah, took your break? five years. Mm -hmm. And was that always doing community work? So the first uh, about four years that I worked there, um, I was working with a, a team called the User-Centered Design Communities Team. It's a very long name. Uh, but what we did was communities of practice for all of UK government um, in design. So that was across design, user research, um, and accessibility. So helping people across different departments learn and share from each other um, and work together to have more consistency and de decrease duplication across government services. That's fantastic, and I'm so impressed that, you know, five years ago there was such a role. And, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised because the U.K.'s government digital service is basically like the uh, forerunner and model in many respects for the rest of the world. I don't think it's uh, hyperbole to say that. Uh, but how did, like, you know, how did... I mean, we, we're, we're struggling, certainly, it feels like at times in the U.S., uh, to get um, our uh, uh, government agencies to, to 
really not just to, uh, well, really to adopt uh, good design practices. And here you, you're in the UK, you've got like, you know, people developing communities of practice five years ago. How did that come to be? What, where was like the, the impetus and was it a, like with an individual with great foresight or just the more of a grassroots, uh, thing that came from the, the people on the, in the design and accessibility organizations? Yeah, so it was really, um, you know, a bunch of people were doing work before I joined, um, trying out different things. Um, and it really was very uh, kind of grassroots and, and bottom up. So everything from running training, because um, especially when GDS was formed, a lot of the work was happening in exemplars, which was people from GDS being embedded in teams in other departments. Those people in those teams and departments realized that training and upskilling was needed. So they would kind of go out and create material and then start running that. Um, and then in 2013, there was a kind of mailing list set up um, for uh, digital digital designers uh, in government um, for a way for people just to start, start talking. So it really was based on these kind of like organic needs um, of people working in design and government at the time. Um, and then I was brought in by Lou Down um, to to try and add more structure um, and support and make it more more of a thing um, and to be the person uh, and the team that was then really organizing and um, yeah just adding adding more of what people needed and and being the the people to do that work because unless you have people hired to do the work a lot of people are kind of doing it off the side of their desk and it, it takes a lot of time um so it's really great that people have now realized that you need people in the actual role of community manager community support um to support these communities and help them grow oh that's great i mean knowing a little bit about lou's work uh doesn't surprise me that they uh that wanted to bring you in to do this work um but I also, you know, you said that the designers were the, I think the term you use exemplars, they were distributed throughout um, other parts of uh, the government in the UK. So did part of the impetus here come from those people feeling a little lonely, like being the only designer? Yes, definitely. And that's still still the case. So the kind of maturity of design across government is is really varied. So there might be uh, you know, five years ago, there might have been might have been teams of one um, kind of designer in a team, a multidisciplinary team. That's still the case today. Um, so the communities are really about helping helping everyone feel supported and having a place to go uh, to ask questions, to get advice, uh, to see what patterns they should be using, to see what standards they have to meet. Um, it really helps people feel less alone in in the challenges that they have because uh, it is really really hard work. So in your role, which is obviously changing, but you've been at this in one way or another for some years, what's the infrastructure that you've had to pull together? Maybe it's existing pieces that you combined or new things that you had to oversee the, the development of. But what needs to be in place for these distributed designers to actually work together, collaborate, communicate, and, and function as a community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, something that I talk a lot about, which I think other people in communities of practice uh, 
don't think as is as important. I really think that leadership, community leadership, um, is really needed. So, in um, kind of central government in GDS, um, we had a head of design. So at the time when I was doing the community work, that was that was Lou Down. So um, Lou was a great kind of figurehead in a way for for the community to bring people together and, and inspire them. At the same time, there's now more and more heads of design um, and user research um, and content design. So all of these heads of profession across government. So those people within their departments are leaders of their you know, smaller communities of practice that then feed into this wider cross-government um, community. And I think those people are so important to um, just kind of help guide people, but also give them um, you know, the permission to join um, and spend time doing community type activities. Um, so from, from the center um, in my previous role as the community lead, a lot of the things that we were doing was setting up events, uh, setting up um, remote meetings, setting up um, training. We ran 11 courses um, at the height of our, of our training um, and just doing a lot of like linking up um, as well. I think that's something that I always see as being really important and maybe often forgotten about. It's just like the importance of linking things up and, and connecting people. So it was just a lot of the kind of like, what are the more administrative things that we can take, take away? What are the strategic things we can do? Um, and then what are the kind of relationship building and collaboration building things that we can do? So it sounds like, you know, you said it started very grassroots and you were just mentioning collaboration, maybe with other parts of, of, of different agencies that designers find themselves in. Uh, so what I'm envisioning is like, you've got sort of the bottom up and then you've got the lateral. Uh, and then I guess maybe the next step or stage is, you know, reaching up toward stakeholders of various flavors is and mm -hmm. and that's where the organization can really change rapidly when you when you convert those stakeholders are you at that point now where you're having an impact well you know i'm sure you're having an impact on the organization but has it been primarily through the grassroots or are you starting to 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 you know in, uh, to recruit stakeholders into the work you're doing in community. Yeah, I think that's one of the the hardest things um, I found about the work um, was kind of getting to that level of buy-in. Um, I found that people um, at more senior levels often didn't understand the value of communities of practice. Um, Part of that is, I think, especially in UK government, the more senior you get, the more kind of generalist you have to be. So it's, I think it's quite hard for people to think about specialist communities when that's not something that you may have been a part of for like the last 10 years of your career. Mm -hmm. um, so it's yeah, very hard to kind of show the value um, again, because there's, it's, I think the, whatever kind of output of value, whether it's monetary, um is you know it could be two three four times removed from the activity that you're doing so putting on an event it's really hard to show what's the value of that one event so what i was trying to do is start to look at what is um, a framework of user-centered design maturity 
and how could we then look at all of the things we're doing as a whole for communities of practice so events and training and standards and guidance um, and bringing people together what says the sum of all of those things um, how can we show the value of that um, so the idea that we had which we didn't uh, get a lot of time to work on was could we then start to uh, have a maturity index of uh, different government departments for user-centered design um, to see where people are and whether the things that we're doing are influencing. And then that would be more of a, a thing to show senior stakeholders um, about the value and the why they should fund them and why, should, why they should support them. D does such an index um, make certain people very nervous? Um, I think we always talked about it as um, not kind of sharing publicly those kind of results and using it more as an internal tool. Um, so I think the value in, in that kind of UCD maturity framework is for the conversations that can happen mm -hmm. while you're kind of going through the exercise of looking at where you sit, whether for your team and your organization. Um, and then using that internally to say like, okay, this is where we sit, go to your senior stakeholder and show them these are the areas where, uh, we need more support or mm -hmm. we need more, more buy-in or more people, um, with skills and experience to then deliver on the outcomes that, that they're asking for. So it, it seems like that's a huge amount of value for stakeholders. They can actually, in a way, uh, you're helping them audit team performance based on outcomes. But um, are they still saying to you, well, I want to know metrics for the investment we make collectively in community development, besides the fact that you're giving us maybe an index and helping us maybe uh, centralize some, op uh, some procedures, standardize some procedures. Uh, are there actual metrics for communities of practice? Yeah, I think the way that at least in GDS things are going is to to talk about professions. So in my new role as, as head of profession, which involves community, that involves um, things around kind of jobs frameworks and um, progression and career paths um, and recruitment. So it's about kind of getting these other bits um, that an organization values and, and needs and kind of joining that up with the community work. And I mean, for, for GDS, that's how, um, that's how these roles have been funded. So mm -hmm. um, I can share that my kind of UCD communities team and that, that work that was shut down um, uh, in kind of early, early pandemic 2020. Uh, so that team was cut and we realized we hadn't done enough work to show the internal kind of organization the value of that thing. All of our work was very outward facing. Um, so I think it's a really good sign that my role has been, this new role that I'm going into has been created, uh, but it's interesting to look at the the framing of it um, with that kind of profession, profession lens. I think it's great. Again, I think it's really uh, enlightened, enlightened and uh, makes one feel really hopeful um, one more question about communities before we move on to talking about, uh, all the conference. Um, what about community in the context of 
people working in civic design, people specifically working in or with the public sector who are doing some form of user experience design or, or research. Is it different? Is it, you know, is there, do you sense that like there's a cultural difference of people who are working in, in the sector compared to let's say private sector? I think there's potentially more appetite to kind of collaborate and learn from each other. Um, especially, I think if you look at government services across, um, you know, whether it's across states or in the UK, across uh, councils, um, you you have a lot of the same services that you're delivering. Um, so there's a lot of value for people working, you know, on the same thing in one state versus another state to say how hey how are you doing this thing and i've had this challenge have you had this too um what approaches are you taking how are you finding people to recruit um there's so much value in having those conversations um rather than trying to figure it all out um on your own so i do see um i do see a lot of people kind of coming together i think the challenges are finding the people with like the specific things that you're trying to also work on because it's such a wide range of people um so especially when you're going you know cross cross state or internationally um there's so many different variations of what people are working on so mm -hmm. it's you just have to find the commonalities um, and maybe that takes a bit more work or more facilitation um, and community management to help people find those those common spaces. You know, it's interesting in the community that you help us host, the civic design community that's hosted by Rosenfeld Media. There's times I feel like in this context, it's actually harder to get people to share what they're working on compared to the private sector. Um, like permissions from stakeholders is a really mm -hmm. dicey thing where, you know, it's interesting, like, Theoretically, at least in the States, you could FOIA pretty much anything, right? It, it, you would think that, it, you know, the private sector would be a bit more touchy because they're, you know, concerned about com competitors and so forth. But um, I, I don't know if that's a, a, a U.S. domestic issue or in terms of culture in the public sector, or do you see that in, in the U.K. as well? I think people need to know who the audience is and able to feel comfortable comfortable to share. So a lot of the um, kind of cross government events that I used to run, um, a lot of times people would need to kind of spend time getting getting that um, that okay from stakeholders to, to share a work, but they were always keen to find ways of sharing it. Mm -hmm. So even if, you know, something part of it they couldn't share they would find a way to still tell the story um but as well i think trying to find find ways that you can talk about your experiences which may not be um sharing the things that you you can't share so sharing kind of like the insights of what you learned trying to do that approach i think there's ways to kind of abstract um information that you can share and i think that takes a lot of time and what I've found a lot in my work, because um, a lot of um, the stuff that I and, um, and my team did, uh, it's a lot of kind of 
storytelling and helping people share case studies or helping people write blog posts. I've done a lot of editing, um, helping people put together presentations for uh, for meetups. I found that people really needed a lot of help through that process to kind of show like what's this what's the story here? What should I be? What what's the narrative arc? Um, and I think that's a place where I think yet designers in general need more uh, more kind of upskilling, um, but also maybe they just need someone you know that they can go to in the organization that is a a writer or a storyteller that can help them help them with that. Well, that's a a great segue to to the next part of our conversation, which is uh, talking about the narrative arc uh, that you're helping develop at the Civic Design Conference. We're going to do that right after the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. Hey, it's Lou. Surprise, surprise. And I'm here to let you know that the next Rosenfeld Media Book is coming out on November 15th, but you can buy it right now. You can pre-order it at over 15% off. What's the book? Deliberate Intervention Using Policy and Design to Blunt the Harms of New Technology. Written by Alex Schmidt, a person who's got both great writing credentials uh, and is a designer now working in the public sector at the uh, Federal Reserve Bank uh, right here in New York City. It's a book on an intersection that's really important. Designers really have to understand policy as a constraint, uh, sometimes a good constraint, but always a challenging constraint, and what we can do with that constraint, whether it's understanding policy well and how it gets created, understanding tight policy constraints, looser ones, understanding how we can even work our way upstream to become part of the process of designing policies and all together with the goal of reducing the harms that technologies uh, are unleashing on the world. So I hope you'll have a look. Policy, design, fascinating intersection, excellent writer Alex Schmidt, and the book, Deliberate Intervention Using Policy and Design to Blunt the Harms of New Technology. It's a two-waves book, a Rosenfeld Media imprint, and you can get it, pre-order it now for 15% off at rosenfeldmedia.com. Welcome back to the Rosenfeld Review. Kara Kane and I have been talking about community in the civic design context. Now we're going to talk about content, namely uh, the part of the conference that Kara is putting together this is the Civic Design Conference uh, that we're hosting November 16th through 18th. It's going to be virtual. And Kara is one of uh, three curators, along with uh, Ariel Kennan and Sarah Brooks, that have been designing this program, researching it first, then designing it, spending months on this, and thank you for that, uh, and now working for a couple months preparing speakers. So... Uh, Kara, you've been working with a number of speakers to help take their ideas and help them collaborate with each other, with you, the speaker coach, and iterate on those ideas so that you have a really strong narrative arc that ties together the day of of talks that they'll be giving and that you're helping them put together. Uh, Your theme and your speaker's theme is the decade cycle 10 years back 10 years forward. I hope we can get into this a bit. And, and I was actually thinking about your theme earlier today. 
Um, it, I get the sense that having a bit more historical context and, and maybe more importantly seeing the, 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 the long game is maybe more important for researchers and designers working in the public sector than elsewhere. It just seems like the, the cycle is longer and maybe you have to develop muscles that will help you stay in that game for a longer period of time. Is that a, an aspect of what your speakers are going to be covering or did I totally, uh, am I totally off base? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I think it's really interesting with this theme and um, yeah, as you like, as you rightly mentioned, it's it's something that I talk a lot about to, to designers, which is you really have to be there, you know, for the long haul, especially in civic design and government um, because, you know, an idea that comes up that sounds amazing that gets shelved that might come up again in five years time. And if you had been the person working on that, um, whether doing research or design and prototyping, it's so exciting when those things come back and you can start to then uh, form them more and hopefully uh, see them out in the world. So it, it does take a lot of um, a lot of resilience mm -hmm. uh, to do this type of work. And I think we'll definitely see that through our talks. So we have uh, a talk uh, by Stephanie Kaiser uh, from the German federal government, which is really about that beginning stage of starting a new digital organization, but learning from all of the other digital um, government organizations that have been around for the past 10 years. Um, but then we also have kind of journeys through 50 years of civic design. Mm -hmm. So there's so much, you know, it's not just the last decade, it's multiple decades um, of this work and looking at, you know, wider than just um, kind of what we may see today as civic design, looking wider into kind of architecture and things that have uh, the ways that people were working um, and how that's kind of led to where we are now uh, with with digital government. So lots of um, kind of interesting stories and narrative arcs uh, from Sha uh, Huang talking about the first 50 years of civic design. Um, but then I'm also really excited um, about George A's talk, uh, The Quiet Little Voice When Design and Ethics Collide, mm. um, which is really um, about looking at where we are right now uh, in civic design, um, the things that we are responsible for as designers, the hard, um, you know, decisions that we're making and the way that those decisions affect citizens and users and, and people um, and the harm that we can cause um, because of those decisions and really looking at, you know, going forward, um, how can we uh, be more considered and, and ethical in our approaches. So there's there's so much uh, in this in this day. There really is, and and um, I know it's it's a, a work in progress, and and I think maybe that's the message of the day about a long term work in progress in terms of the evolution of civic design. But if if you had to put sort of the the moment we're in in that broader context, how would you, would you describe where civic design is today? Oh my gosh. Not to put uh, you on the spot or anything. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, I just think it's, it's growing at a really 
fast pace. Um, I think it's been really exciting for me as an American living abroad to see um, how much, uh, yeah, how much of a role design uh, has been having um, in in U.S. government. It's it's exciting to see this German federal government um, team kind of pop up and grow uh, in the past year, um, and you know to have lots of conversations internationally with teams um across the world also doing doing this type of work and i think a lot of the the work from this community um and the support that it gives people i think is really helping drive that um and giving people um the confidence uh to do this work or the confidence to even um like say this work needs to happen and being the person in an organization um in a place where they're saying we need this i feel confident because i have people that i can go to for support and in making it happen so i think it's really exciting time and i'm always telling people in the private sector that are a bit you know bored or jaded in their job i'm like go come to on civic in. design or come into government it's really exciting well i i you sound very optimistic and i don't want us to to like do some kind of detailed SWOT analysis here. It's just a podcast for God's sake. But um, are there any concerns you have at this moment in time for the the growth of civic design in the public sector? I mean, I think we spoke about this a bit with the, the kind of this decade theme for the conference. Like there's a political shift or a priority change can happen at any time, uh, which can you know, hinder this work or completely stop it. Um, so I think it's always being being aware of the kind of context of your work um, and where you sit, especially if you are in a um, kind of really political, politically charged part um, of civic design um, and kind of yeah, really having your eyes open to what's happening around you so that if something does happen, like you're being asked to move teams or you no longer, you know, have a job doing what you what you want to be doing. Um, that it's not a complete shock to the system. Mm -hmm. uh, because again, like you need a lot of a lot of resilience um, to do this type of work. And this work is really important. But you kind of have to see see yeah, just see what's happening around you um, and potentially, you know, make those shifts for yourself before before something might happen. So what I love about civic design is um, that there's so many different spaces where you can do this work, whether it's academia, whether it's a nonprofit, or whether you're working um, in government at, at any level. Um, so yeah. It's interesting, you were, you were talking about resilience, and I almost thought you were gonna start talking about resistance. <laughs> but that's another conversation. Yes. Uh, which yeah. maybe at some point we'll get into, not today. Uh, <laughs> but I would like to wrap up uh, with uh, our Rosenfeld Review tradition. Uh, did you bring us some gifts? I did. Um, so yeah, I want to share um, that people should go and check out all of the, the UK government blogs. Um, so I talked a lot about um, kind of the writing and sharing uh, that people in communities do. Um, that happens a lot in the open. So anyone in the public uh, can go to uh, government blogs. So 
there's a design and government blog, a user research government and blog, accessibility and government and services and government. Um, so a lot of that is um, work from across government um, and GDS helps um, helps publish that content. Well, I'm glad you've been a part of the, all the, the great stuff GDS has been doing. It's been inspirational uh, as well as really useful. And uh, I've seen a lot of people from GDS over the years go out and uh, bring the, the good word to, to other countries, you know, around the Commonwealth at least. So it's been great to see. Uh, thank you for also bringing it to the Rosenfeld Civic Design Community. I'm really looking forward to your theme and your speakers are going to really kick some butt on day one of civic design. Uh, again, folks, it is November 16th through 18th. It is virtual. We've actually, if you're in the public sector, really lowered the prices quite a bit to make more sense for people working in that setting. Uh, and uh, we've got great people making it happen, including our guest today, Kara Kane from the UK GDS. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Lou. Thank you for listening to the latest Rosenfeld Review podcast. I really appreciate it. I would love to hear from you. And if you want to pop me an email, lou at rosenfeldmedia.com. Tell me what you thought. Better yet, leave me the hell alone and post a review on your favorite podcast platform. Please feed the algorithm. It really does make a difference. We want to get the word out. If you like the word, give us a hand. And uh, while I'm asking you for favors, don't forget, buy books. Support your favorite local independent publisher. We happen to be one, rosenfeldmedia.com. All those great UX books are there. So thanks again. <laughs>